Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the secret to improved sales with my friend Ann Holm. How's it going, Ann? Going great. Glad to be back. Excellent, excellent. I'm so happy to have you back. Ann has been on my podcast many times. I've told the stories too many times, so I'll do it one more time, but fast. I met Ann many years ago. She was my executive coach or life coach, whatever you want to call it. And she's always been a really great resource for me and so many of my logistics friends. We had a lot of shared clients. We've done some sales training in the past together, coaching, and she's fantastic. So before you go any further, Anne, please introduce yourself and your company. Hi, well, I'm Ann Holm, and my company is cleverly called AnnHolm.net. And um, I've been, I'm a professional certified coach, and I've been doing this for uh, 13 years. Uh, prior to that, I worked uh, for, in brain science, 25 years in uh, brain injury recovery. So I moved over to executive coaching partially because I was a little bit tired of the medical field, but also because I think that there was a lot to be gained for individuals who are in a, a essentially technical field to develop some of the uh, personal skills and people skills that would make them better at their job. So that's how I kind of got into this. Excellent. Yeah. Again, Anne, you have been a great resource to me. So I know uh, you having a background in speech pathology, right? Speech pathology. So you yep. get your undergrad, your master's in that from our beloved Michigan. Yes. And so you, I've said it before, you're not just a, uh, an executive coach who's like, rah, rah, do it the way I did it. Think like I think, do things like I do. <laughs> you you show up really with the mindset of a brain scientist and also a Myers-Briggs person. So you're all about personality types. And we'll get in more into that today. So when did you start your biz? Um, it was in 2008. I made a I made a soft transition. I didn't, you know, just I didn't burn the boats in my other career. I made a soft transition to to anhome.net and then um when I realized how much I enjoyed doing this executive coaching and and the people that I was helping, I kind of just uh phased out of of the work I was doing before. That's not uncommon by the way for people if they ever want to make a career change. Sometimes you do it gradually. You transition over I know when I was looking for an executive coach or life coach or just somebody, to get, somebody an outside perspective, I went on LinkedIn and I, I was typing strengths because uh, I wanted somebody who would help me play to my strengths and kind of address mm -hmm. my weaknesses. So I remember typing in strengths and I typed in Michigan thinking I needed a coach who was in Michigan and Anne's in Minnesota, but she's from Michigan. And then I remember the first time we talked was this time of year, I think. And I said, oh, you went to University of Michigan. I, go, I went there too. I go, I'm a big fan. I love the football team. And Ann and I ended up talking for like 40 minutes about Michigan football, Michigan basketball. Yeah. And yeah. We, we, to this day, waste some time talking about the University yes. of Michigan. You know. <laughs> Can't help it. Anyway, and let's get started today. So okay. The topic is the secret to improve sales. And mm -hmm. we, we went a few different directions on this topic, the, the title for this topic. And uh, I wanted just to, just in a, in a nutshell, what is the secret to improve sales? 
in a nutshell, uh, the secret to improved sales is communication. Knowing how to speak the language of the individual that you're trying to influence and also knowing what your communication tendencies are. Uh, that's the secret, communication. So, so I have my own communication tendencies, which I've always had to, that's why I had to get with you because I blather on too much. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you said it, I didn't, but I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, and then I expected people to want to talk the way I did. And right. that worked for people who were similar to me. Similar. Like you and I are similar, so we right. got on a roll right away. Right. And sometimes you meet that person, you go, we're on the same page. We are uh, two peas in a pod. I can read their mind. I've only known them for 20 minutes and we're off to the races. Yes. Other times you talk to someone and you think, oh, that guy's a little weird. He's a little standoffish or mm -hmm. he said this, but I don't know what he means. And I, yes. we're, we're trying to get there. And you called it par parallel communication. Like right. you're, <laughs> you're both talking, but you're kind of talking around each other and parallel to each other, but not right. really having that back and forth that are, is productive. Right. You're not intersecting. In other words, if you think of two trains um, on, a, on a track and you're just passing each other back and forth, back and forth, and you're not really getting to any meaningful conversation other than to just keep talking past each other. A lot of the, the example I like to use is actually a personal example, which is all the parallel conversations that I have had with my husband in the past we're both telling the other guy either he's not listening or they don't know what they're talking about or whatever. And when I got into coaching and I started to look at communication in general, although I did a lot of that, even in my speech pathologist days, there's a lot of study on communication, but recognizing why we weren't ever able to connect in a meaningful, a meaningful way uh, was because we were on these parallel tracks. He wasn't speaking my language and I wasn't speaking his language. A concrete example of that would be um, we had a yeah, daughter. You have two who daughters was, who are really good, a, basketball, really good ba players. basketball player. And if you know, she both of them, yes, exactly. Both of them are re really, really good. I was thinking of a particular instance with one, but you're right. They were both really good <laughs> basketball players. They both played college basketball. Well, actually, anyway, I'm going to get off track here. <laughs> Like, like I'm prone to do. But anyway, the the point was, was that one had had a, a, you know, really nice game, 20 points or something like that. And she came in and, and her father started to talk to her about rebounding. And I interjected. He was a college ball maybe, player, too. So he knows what he's talking about. He knows. Yeah, he was a college basketball player, too. So he knew what he was talking about. So he was coming from the perspective of expertise and mastery. And I was coming from the perspective of right. approach. You know, your approach matters. You know, you need to give credit for what you, you know, was good right. and then add to the, to that. And, and in his mind, when you're trying to achieve mastery, you don't need that. You don't, that's like blowing sunshine, so to speak. And so we're going back and forth and back and forth. And so we're really not reaching any kind of resolution because he's talking about, He's talking about if you need to get to this goal, you need these mastery points. And I'm get, and I'm saying, but you're not even going to get anywhere if you don't engage with that person and you don't give credit where credit was due. So we were both right, but we were not acknowledging those two different perspectives. And in fact, if we had, we would have had a more powerful 
and, and meaningful conversation, but we do this all the time in our lives. Right. So you would say, I, I know you're the way you work, you would say, oh my God, that's fantastic. You got 20 points. What was that? Very, very impressive. You guys wouldn't have won without this. I love the way you shot this. And then yeah. at some point you'd say, yeah, that, you know, overall fantastic. If you just got a few more rebounds, if you just hustle a little more back on the rebound, yeah. that would have been your approach and his yeah. approach. Your husband's a doctor, so he's very direct. Yes. <laughs> so he says, good game, but you really need to work on your rebounding. <laughs> That's exactly right. So the, 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 the acknowledgement might have been there, but it would be just like a passing glance. <laughs> like, right. Good game. Good game. But, but. <laughs> you know, you should do this, 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 and this. And I remember how heated it became because the more I said, but she got 20 points, he would say, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. And so he was getting at the guy who might be the, the, the ball hog, but doesn't do their part on defense or something like whatever he was trying to get at. I right. wasn't hearing it because I was feeling like approach matters, but I didn't say approach matters. All I kept saying was, you know, but she got 20 points. <laughs> so I know how I would, I know how I would take that criticism as I was going to go. Yep. I would I would be like, hey, I got twenty points. Shut your pie hole. <laughs> right. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I know what I know what I did wrong. I I had a fantastic game. Yeah. And yep. yeah, of course I'll work on that. But I don't like that whole approach would turn me off. Yep. But he would <laughs> You know, but as a matter he, of fact, now that I think of this conversation too, then it pivoted to piano. <laughs> All the things that weren't going well with piano. And it sounds like he's that like I'm painting him to be a negative guy. He's not. He was very encouraging. Right. Not encouraging, but he was very clear about standards and things like that, which is but a great thing he to wants, be. That's the way he wants to be spoken to. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. He would not have it, a lot of extra cheering and acknowledgement would not have been useful to him. Right. So great point. So I guess the the thing is, you're both trying to encourage your daughter. You're both trying to have your daughter be successful. You just have different temperaments, different thought processes. And this is the crazy thing to me. Yes. You've been married for a long time. You have kids. You kind of know his approach. Yep. You like the guy. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Hung out with him so, for 37 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you go, I get it. I know where he's coming from. I know he means well. And he knows where you're coming from. He knows you mean well. Right. The problem we, when we talk about sales now, yes. kind of transitioning this. Yes. I go in, I sit down, I say, "Hey, thanks for having the taking taking the time to talk with us today." And I start tell us about your problem, whatever. And and we are on that parallel track. Yes. I don't know him. I don't like him yet. I don't don't I don't know like or trust. I certainly don't love him, and he doesn't right, love me. Right. Right. And how do I get to know him? I mean, I don't have 37 years to get to know him. <laughs> a customer. <laughs> I, get, yeah. I have to know him in the next three minutes. Yes. Yes. So yes. how do we do that? <laughs> yes, that's a that's a that's just a great segue because you're absolutely right. Some of these calls we have to make on what kind of information somebody finds important and how they want to have it analyzed, how they want to have it delivered. You got to make that call a lot quicker than in 37 years, right? And so you can sharpen your eye to this. If you begin to, A, have the differences pointed out to you, and you can do this by way of just talking about four basic temperaments, that'll get you a long way. Uh, there are four basic temperaments that are have certain styles of communication. Right. So you have a 25% chance of 
of getting at least one, you know, of getting it right just by starting to experiment with one type. But there are there are markers as well. So, for instance, you can when you start talking to somebody, you can you start to detect whether or not they like a lot of detail. For instance, when they're getting information versus something that's big picture, you can start to notice if they are very uh, dialed into past experiences and past data and variables when they that's what's important to them, or if they're looking more to a, a future type of a picture. You can tell if they're an approach matters kind of person so that if you kind of came in there and you started to try to you know close a deal very quickly with these people that they might push back, right. you can tell if they're a little more playful, for instance. Right. And so there's, there's temperamental markers that you can look right. for. So I know we are of the same temperament. That's correct. <laughs> so let's start with us. So okay. you said there's four temperaments. Yes. So what is the temperament that Anne and Joe fit in? We fit into this temperament called idealist. So, And that is the best one, I'm assuming? It is. It is. And it's only 15% <laughs> of the population. So you know, we don't see ourselves coming and going all the time. But we, it's, it's a temperament that tends to be big picture. And it's also a temperament that approach matters. A lot to us. So we like to have collaborative approaches. We like to have individual differences make, you know, be relevant. We like to connect to people on a very personal level. So, you know, let's think of this in the context of sales. You know, we might come in and try to connect with somebody of a different temperament with a lot of very personal touch, you know, a lot of sharing, a lot of, hey, you know, I'm a Michigan football fan, or oh, I love basketball, or you know what, my you know brother used to do that, or whatever. We try to find that connection so we feel like we're, you know, in simpatico with that person. Well, right. you might encounter somebody who just really just wants the facts and the past experiences right. and the details and the data. So if you don't know that, you might end up actually coming across as a pest, even though you think you're actually connecting. Right. So I am an idealist. And I remember getting on a performance review one time was when I was doing work with within Chrysler. But I remember somebody said, Joe begins most everything because Joe, Joe knows everybody in the building and they go, he begins most conversations with something about the Big Ten because he knows a lot about it. He pays attention and they go. And it seems like two thirds of the building, you know, is a Michigan State fan or Michigan fan or Penn State or Ohio State. And he says, and he knows all the, and I always thought, that's a great way to go until yeah. I started learning about temperament because there are certain people, they might say, yeah, I'm an Ohio State fan and I don't want to talk about it with you because this yeah, is a business exactly, meeting. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because my language or what I want from you is the details. I just want to know past experiences, protocols, what's expected, what the plan is, and just cut to that. And it's not that that person is is cold or anything like that. That's not, no, you know, that's just, not a, what it is at all. But just in the context, and <laughs> yeah, and in that context, they really want to be spoken to in a way that's very different than the friendly, the you know, the the, the let's connect feel to it. And they might, they might say, oh, "Okay, Joe's one of those. He he wants this touchy feely thing. I'll play along with it, but I, but I want to get back to business." And you can almost, I've, I know, I've run across that. I'm being from the background I'm in in engineering. I got used to people who were definitely not idealists. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> and you know, and, and I think most of business isn't set up for idealists. We're out there, but it's yeah. not. 
it's not the predominant personality type you run across. You see a lot of idealists in um, HR. That's where you typically see them because they're always kind of smoothing things over from the people perspective. Right. They're trying to get the best out of the people. You, that's where you usually see them in business. Yep. So the first one is idealist. Give, and give us, before we leave this one, give us give me three words that would describe idealists. Uh, collaborative, optimistic, communicative. That's a big one. Yep. They, t- they tend to be the, the master communicators. Okay. So what's the next temperament that we should be looking for? The next temperament, let's go Let's go to the most common temperament, uh, which is 40% of the population. And those individuals are known as the guardians. So these are the individuals that are looking to make sure that you know, protocols are followed. They tend to be very planful, time efficient, and detail oriented. So these are individuals that you often see them in management. Really, the culture of business is driven by these guys. Yes. Now, ironically, I, I want to point this this out, and, and since it's a potentially a global audience, the United States culture of business is is that way. But if you go to other countries, like let's say Mexico, the relationships may drive a lot of the business. Right. Like, hey, I know your brother's brother, and right. so we'll give you a you know, we'll we'll give you an, a door in, so to speak. So, you know, I, I, you know, it's beyond the scope of this podcast to talk about all those cultural differences, but they are uh, the United States definitely is what you just described. So the guardians tend to be in in management, and again, it's it's the predominant culture. You said it's forty percent. And by the way, what percent of the population is idealist? Fifteen. Okay, so. So that's we so we've hit fifty percent. So the guardians so if we, it was just to be these two groups, and I know we have four, but right. the guardians, they are all about protocols, planning. Right. Are they more straight to business than say the idealists? Yes, uh, there's a there's a slight nuance in there that there's a there's a few of them that are you know have a a, a little bit more of a need to connect, but if they're if the prevailing issue is how do we execute this business or whatever, they're going to stick to sort of that planful, organized, detailed sort of roadmap. So give me give me three words for these fellas. Okay. The, for, for them, it would be planful. It would be time efficient. And it would be detail oriented. It's just the opposite of us. Eh? Which exactly. <laughs> and, if, and if you can think about, you know, you may, especially in younger education, you may have really encountered a lot of these individuals because these individuals actually tend to be in the, you know, the, the earlier, you know, K through 12 kind of teaching. You may have encountered a lot of those. And so a sort of a free spirited, chatty, communicative, collaborative temperament can very much clash with that. I can think of all the times Sister Sarah Jane wanted to take me out, just throw me out of the out of the classroom. I got I got nailed by her repeatedly. And honestly, when I started to understand temperament, I understood that perhaps it wasn't just all her. I really was an irritant to her for a good reason because we were so different temperamentally. So I had right. to take my share of the whole thing too. Right, and it reminds me. I, I think I actually said this on a podcast that I did with you before, but I had a boss, and this he was an engineering manager and yeah, an automotive. And I remember I would. He would say, he would ask me a question and then I would answer and he'd say, Joe, every time I ask you what time it is, you tell me how you made your clock. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. They don't. And so he you wanted, went big picture wanted, on him. He wanted one word answer, one sentence. Right. And I said, I wanted to show my work. <laughs> well, well, and, and here's the thing, Joe. So people who are idealists, I, I think of them as the as the zoom out lens, the, you know, the wide angle lens. We, you know, the, those individuals that are idealists tend to have a wide angle lens when they look at things. And those that are guardians tend to be more of like a, a zoom in focus. So right. it's not that we can't both, we can do both of that. Right. Everybody can do all of these things, but we have sort of a default mode. So people who are idealists tend to be very much the wide angle, you know, look at huge, right. big picture. And they come in armed with that kind of thinking. And then they have to have a conversation with somebody who tends to want to zoom in first and build the case for the wider angle. I will say that uh, spending most of my career in automotive engineering and manufacturing, the guardians, that's their approach is how we work. So we would always talk about processes that make us more effective, make us more efficient. And we were detail-oriented. And even though it wouldn't be my strength, I'm pretty good with details if I have to be. And if I have a boss who's going to expect that. And what was a joke, and I used to put on all my resumes, detail-oriented. And it wasn't until I was probably in my 40s where I was like, yeah, I guess I am detail-oriented, but it's not something I enjoy. I mean, yeah. it's something that I have to kind of force myself into. Yeah, and that does, and that that right away takes you out of the detail-oriented <laughs> club. You know, right. you're, you can do it if you have to. Right. But, you know, one of the things, too, and the, the, well, you worked here's in an, medicine, and it's not as if you somehow didn't get into the details. <laughs> well, I had to occasionally, but <laughs> but actually, being in speech pathology, it was really more about communication and everything. So I really wasn't, you know, some of that detail I didn't really have to worry about. And in fact, it was the details of the computers that actually blew me out of there <laughs> when we went to online charting. But if Another indicator, people want sort of a, an indicator of whether or not you're on the same page is thinking of the way you think of yourself versus the way you think of the other person. So if you say, okay, I'm this open-minded connector right. and that other guy is anal. If you use terms like stick in the mud, yeah, stick in the mud and (laughs) anal. Now you know you have a temperamental difference, and you have some work to do in terms of bridging and appreciating working together, either by way of a being on the same team or through through sales influence. You know. So let's get on the other two here, and then we can come back and how we bridge the gap. Yep. So, what's the next group? So the next group, let's go down to the other 15%. So the, and those individuals are the theorists or the conceptualizers. So these are individuals who are big picture thinking. There are people like Elon Musk would be an example of very, they're big picture, they're future thinking. And one of the things that they do is they do a lot of debating to understand something. So if, for instance, you know, let's take it back to sales for just a minute, you come in and you present something to them and it feels like all they're doing is shooting holes through it. They actually do that in order to understand it. So you might walk out of there going, oh, God, did that go badly? Only to find out it actually went well because you were able to hang in there for that process. They tend to be, you know, logical, very logical people, and they tend to be big picture. So give me three words that you would use for these guys. Future focused, logical, and they are very autonomous. So these are individuals that are very, they want things 
to go sort of the way they want them to go. They, they, they're not, they're not collaborative. So they're, they're big picture, like an idealist, but their approach is around mastery. So I would say mastery, I would say logic. Those are some key words for these individuals. And in fact, my husband is one of these. So you can see. Our buddy Steve Elwell is one of these too. Yes. So my daughter Kelly's like this. Yep. And, uh, it's funny when Steve, if he reads a book, he he outlines it. I mean, he outlines it and he really understands it, puts it in a bolt folder. And it's funny. It's the only place where he's really detail oriented, I think. You know, he, what he, he is else, elsewhere, but that is important to him because he really does value that mastery. And he is autonomous. He always is like, I'm not on the org chart. I'm not on the org chart. So whoever right, he's working right. with, and they, don't and put they me really, on the org chart. <laughs> they really, really, really push back on that too, by the way. They really push back on the... But he found know, his the, place. Yeah, they're they're aut- they're autonomous and very much you know interested in you know their big picture thinking and and uh, they debate a lot and and all of that. So so I learned this from Anne. And one of my, my younger daughter Kelly is um, this conceptualizer, and she would just be argumentative sometimes. And then she'd say sometimes she and she said something. She goes, "I only argue with people I care about." So yeah, it was about little things like, and it wasn't necessarily arguing like in a negative sense, but just right. kind of questioning everything. You're like, exactly. why is everything being clarity. questioned all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're looking for clarity. It's how they look for clarity. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's that kind of an energy. So the first group you said was idealist and that's 15% and they're collaborative, yeah. optimistic, communicative. Mm-hmm. And then we got the, the guardians planful, time efficient, detail oriented, they're 40% of the population. So they really define the business world. And then we got the conceptualizer, they're 15%. So we need another, what? 30. 30%. Now, who are the, who's that group? Okay. And those are the experiencers. So they have, they're similar to the guardians in the sense that they like a lot of detail. So it's very important to them. But what they want is not only the detail, but they want the flexibility and the opportunity to sort of play with it. Those are the individuals that are the ultimate problem solvers in the moment that they put the fires out. If they have a day where there aren't just a few small fires to, to put out, they uh, tend to be a little more disengaged, you know, so they like, they like that sort of in the moment dance. And, and so, and and so the approach needs to be generally more, more playful with them. However, they don't want to be bogged down by a lot of this big picture stuff either. They want options, they want flexibility, but they want more of what is tangible to them. They're very, very uh, sensual. Right. Actually, very, very sensual. So, so this whole idea of like you start talking about big picture and they're just like, Joe, that's that's great that for another time. But today, give me options that exactly. will work to fix exactly. this problem. They want to know the options that are you know available to them now. They are not, you know, hey, what's going to happen 15 years down the road or, you know, five years from now, we will be here. That's not, you know, again, if you think of that wide angle lens and that zoom lens, they start from the zoom lens also and will build out perhaps to a wider perspective, but it's it's the, the zoom lens. Now, one of the examples I like to use to sort of describe the elegance of their problem solving is if you remember when those young kids were stuck in that cave. Oh yeah, the and South America somewhere. Yes, yes, exactly. And so 
we'll bring Elon Musk into this. He was talking about building this submarine. So he's thinking this big picture sort of solution. We're going to make this submarine. We're going to transport it over there and we're going to get them. And so he's very future thinking. And the divers that ultimately ended up saving them were very much, here's the problem. We got to operate quickly. And this is this is our solution set. It's in front of us. And it's not some futuristic mini sub that has to be put together and sent over. Right. That would have been really annoying for them to even hear about. (laughs) Yes, yes. And so I'm going to submit, too, that it was actually the temperamental difference between somebody like Elon Musk and the divers that created some of those insults they were throwing at each other, too, because these, these divers are saying, you know, this is a publicity stunt. And when I think he actually thought this might right. be helpful. Temperamentally, you're you're thinking about the problem differently. Temperamentally, you're talking about the problem differently. And if you don't have some awareness that this is just another way of thinking about the problem, you, you can have these clashes, these communication right. clashes. So we've got the idealist, and then the collaborative, optimistic, communicative. We got guardians, planning, right? Time efficient, detail oriented, and they're 40%. So, and then we've got the conceptualizers there. They they might debate you a little bit. They're future focused, logical, autonomous. Yep. They really value mastery in their self yep. and I'm assuming others. And so they, I'm assuming they would want you to have that same mastery in your space. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Be able to stay in the ring with them. They would not like it if you were shooting from the hip and didn't really know what you're talking about. Right, exactly, exactly. Probably the yeah. guardians wouldn't either. I think they wouldn't the, like that either. But I think if you were able to at least hang in there with, if if I was going to say go to the guardians, if you're a salesperson, you go to the gardens, guardians, you're going to go and you're going to be very prepared with right. all of the information and details that they want. If you were going to go toe to toe with the the conceptualizer, you, you're going to want to have a broader understanding of the problem and be able to hang in there with them. Right. And then we talk about the experiencer again, 30%. Is, yep. They're detail detail oriented. They're flexible. They're problem solvers. They don't want, as you said, don't want to be bogged down with too much big picture talk. Yep. They're pragmatic, tangible. Pragmatic. Yep. Pragmatic, and many of them are quite playful. They they want right. to have almost a dance when it comes to solving the problem. It's a sort of a fluid kind of a thing. It's it's funny as you've we've gone through these. I know I can group in certain people, and there I'm yeah. thinking of one person. I won't say the name, but that I've worked with who is exactly this great leader who's an experiencer, just really great to work with. Yes, and he was a little playful, but he really kept us on task. Yeah, and I and I've, and I've also thought about all the guardians I've worked with, and again I, I kind of put them as stodgy, but they're not necessarily. They're just yeah. Of <laughs> engineers are guardians, and one of the things people will always say, "Oh, you're an engineer. You're so boring." Blah blah blah. I couldn't stand yeah. to work with engineers. They're the greatest people, but they they when they're doing their work, they're doing their work, and when they leave, they're going out and having a blast. <laughs> oh well, and you know the other thing is too is is that when you think of the context of of that, you know, if you want somebody engineering your bridge. You don't, <laughs> you want somebody to be like that, you right, know? Right. And I think as the more you see the differences and you see and you appreciate those differences, the more likely it is that you're going to be able to A, influence them if you are a, a salesperson or B, have better relationships with 
with the people you work with right. and even your familial and, and personal relationships are enhanced right. when you start to see these differences and appreciate them. Right. So this, this here is the secret to improve sales. Yes. And, and the way we're going to improve is we're going to, when I'm in that room and I just got there and I see the guy or gal sitting across from me, I have to hopefully within the first few minutes understand which one of these people they, that I'm talking to yep. and align my own communication. Even though I'm an idealist, you're an idealist. Yep. You have answered to guardians. You've answered to experience. If you work with conceptualizers your whole life. So it's not as if these are impossible bridges. So. No, not at all. Well, there's only four of them. And so that helps too, that you get a, you, you have a stand a pretty good chance that if you make a few adjustments, that you're going to improve the situation right away. So, you know, let's say, for instance, that you're, you know, an idealist. Some, some not all idealists are not as time conscience, conscious as, for instance, these guardians. So right off the bat, if you're a salesperson, don't be late. Because right. there's a good, there's a forty percent chance that the person you're going to sit down with is going to mind if you're late. Right. Really, we could look at guardians and experiencers make up seventy percent exactly of the workforce. And I That's would right. say in in the space that we're talking about, logistics and supply chain, I suspect yep. it's even higher in the roles that we. So if you're talking to someone, there's a very good chance they're one of those people. That's very, very, very true. There's a really good chance that you're going to be talking to. So let's assume it's me and an idealist. Yeah. And I'm going in to sit down to talk to somebody. What would tell me what would be something that a guardian might say right away when we start off? Well, so if... I'm if, only 10 minutes late, I'm assuming. Okay, so you're, you're 10 minutes late. So right <laughs> off the bat, you're going to get a little bit of a glare. And you're also going to get a... Two to I have a hard stop at... 25 after you know you're going to get some sort of indicator that there is no flexibility here with this with this time slot the the second thing is is you're going to be watching for markers like you know what has this particular thing you're trying to sell done in the past what what's its track record so you're going to want to have a really good information about something something's track record also what are the next steps so if indeed i are am interested in this product that's kind of with everybody next steps is kind of with everybody when you're in sales though right but with this particular group the what do I do next is going to be very important. They don't want you to come in and be like, well, you know, well, I'll call you. They're going to want to know when who, and who, what, what and when. <laughs> what and when. Right. So, yeah, next steps are is always important. That's a sales principle. But the how hard you're going to pin that time down and how you're going to approach that. And what you're going to deliver back. <laughs> and what you're going to deliver back. So if you so imagine- it can't be something it can't be something vague like, yeah, I'll send you an email by next week is, is not yes. going to be as good as I'm going to analyze what we talked about here and I'm going to have some concrete solutions for you. Exactly. And whatever we're supposed to analyze, I mean, if it's freight bills and say, and I'll have, you know, I'll have some something directionally correct for you by next week. By not maybe next week by a date. By Tuesday. <laughs> by Tuesday right. afternoon or something like that. Yeah. So yes, everybody wants to have a next step, but the degree to which you pin down the details of that next step is going to have a lot to do with temperament. And if you're a person who 
in general is more fluid with your time and and all of that, you may need to pay attention to how you present that. And if you stay with that deadline too. So if you say, all right, by next Tuesday, I'm going to send this off to you, but then you don't send it off till Thursday, for instance, it may be, and I'm not saying it is, but it may be an indicator to that guardian that you're not as reliable as they'd like you to be, for instance. So those are all, you know, timeliness and planfulness are red flags or important signals to pay attention to. If somebody's interested in plans, they're also, so I've seen this sign a lot of places where someone says, plan your work, work your plan. So they expect that you're going to execute that plan on time. Right. Right. So who are some famous guardians that and that we would all know? Okay. So a famous guardian would be somebody like Warren Buffett. Oh, I love Warren. I would talk Nebraska football with him, whether he liked it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, so if you think about so if you think about Warren Buffett, right? So the guy's really successful. All right. Now he hasn't been successful because he's been a speculator. Right. He's a planner. He is, He's a planner and he's very strategic and he pays attention to what the past data has shown. So there's a lot of, I need a track record before I can make a decision on what I'm going to do next. And his stocks would have to fit a very specific criteria. Exactly. Exactly. And so they, he, to influence him or to get him to get on, get in, in with your company He's look. He's literally looking very specifically at balance sheets, past track record, and if this fits into his, you know, strategic plan. They very, very planful. So he would be an example of somebody that I would say is is, is right. a phenomenal example of a of a guardian. And the other thing is, I think he could hit you over the head with a bag of money if you called him stodgy. <laughs> you know? Right. He's. I, I've I've read every book about Warren Buffett. He's one of my. Uh... And he, um, he's a very interesting guy. Now yeah. he's, he's very orderly and he oh, doesn't, yes. uh, <laughs> I, uh, I thought this was very interesting. Uh, Bill Gates asked him to go to China, a tour of China with a big group of people. I'm assuming all very wealthy people. And Bill Gates said, don't worry, Warren, we're going to go on a train and we're going to bring a chef who will make you your hamburgers and French fries every single day. So you don't have to worry because he wouldn't have gone to China if he had to experiment with Chinese food. food. And, you know, if you're hanging out on a train with uh, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, you're not eating, you know, you're not taking a chance on street food. But Warren Buffett eats kind of a very, he says, I think he's even joked about it. He's the diet of a child. And so that's how he would like to live. Very orderly. He wants to sit down and read most of the day. But yep. he does seem very personable too. He loves to play chess. He loves mm-hmm. to do. Uh, he's a social person, but I think it fits within the time. Right, right. and he's going to have a very, very strong re- recall over what happened, as what's happened or occurred in the past. Right. So, and he uses that. By the way, he uses that to make good decisions about right. what he's going to do. So he's 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 aware of that. As he got older, I'm sure he. You know, just like all these temperaments, these are sort of your default modes, like your default printer. It's like a default mode. You do learn some other skill yes. sets and you learn to flex and you do different things, but you want to be grounded. You want to be grounded in your natural strength. Well, we all become kind of guardians at work because that's kind of the 
predominant work is organized. They they got they got there first, and that's the way we do do things. <laughs> so so you mentioned conceptualizer, and you said that is Elon Musk. Yeah, that would be who's, Elon. A, who's another one like Elon. Okay, so another Bill Gates would be an example also of a conceptualizer. So these are very theoretical, future thinking people. If you think about conceiving of Microsoft and putting together something as futuristic as a as a personal computer. Steve Jobs is also a conceptualizer. Since he's since he's dead, let's assume Elon and Bill Gates have a new venture and they need to move a ton of freight. And I go to see them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. We go to see them. Yep. What a what's that meeting going to be like? Okay. So what after that the autographs. <laughs> yep, yep. So it would be the you know the concept of let's say we're going to move freight and we're going to use a new computer system it's sort of like a flexport um so we're going to use a, a new computer platform, system yeah. a new platform to 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 make this happen so warren buffett would be more concerned about saying okay what evidence do we have that this particular platform right. he, is he going, wouldn't want to be first <laughs> right is 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 going to be the right and most efficient way to do this. All right. So it would be up to Bill Gates to describe with as many examples and details how this is all going to work. So if he's going to speak Warren Buffett's language, he's going to come up with examples and details that right. lays out the solid argument right. for that to happen. So so if I was talking again to Elon Musk and and Bill Gates are the conceptualizers, so I'm talking just to them. Yes. And and I have to kind of make sure that what Warren would say, I'm not interested in that brand new technology platform. I'm not going to be first. They would say, sounds cool. We love the idea of being first on this yes. on this new project. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But then the next steps, they would say, let's go through the details. I, I'm not going to have failure, right? Yep. They're going to want to be like, okay, here's here's an example where this particular product was used. It shipped this many this is where the pounds of something or tons of something to this destination, and this was the cost savings. So they would want to debate and go through all the details and make sure that you've done your homework. Yeah. So you're going to be, you're going to be giving very specific examples about how something actually worked. They want to see mastery. Mastery. Both in the product and in the company they're working with and of course the people who are engaged. So yeah, so what I'm talking about right now, if Warren Buffett was pushing back on on the detail piece of it. Right. These individuals, Elon Musk and Bill Gates are going to have to have some examples to show that this this actually works. So now you're thinking about the flip of it. So right. if Warren Buffett is pushing back and saying, you know, this doesn't look like it's going to work. And you know, we're still trying to flip it the other way. So, so he is, he's, he's pushing for a particular, th no, I'm still, I'm still, st I'm still stuck in trying to convince Warren Buffett, but I'm really trying to now flip the argument. So, so if we were talking to Warren Buffett, it would be very difficult to talk to him about something that was brand new, a new yeah. platform. He would want to say, I want the tried and true. I want I want you to do it the way you're doing it for 99% of the customers. I don't want to be the 1%. Right. Or at least be have some some sort of indicator or groundwork that shows that this this particular thought or theory has, has a base to it. He's he's a little more conservative, probably a little less risk. Yeah, they, he's he's a little more risk adverse because he's right. again, he's the guardian. He wants to protect Kind of the status yes. quo, maybe. And the conceptualizers are like, hey, 
I love it. We're part of something brand new here. <laughs> yes. So if he was trying to then get on board with what they're, they're thinking, he would have to stretch a little bit and realize, for instance, that what's happening has maybe reached its full potential. And there might be the way I'd like to describe it, whenever I've had clients that have been in the guardian mindset, I never tell them, you know, go from here to out here because that yeah. feels they, that feels too, you know, too, too, shaky. What I tell them is think of it as far. a <laughs> bridge too far. Think of it as a, a balloon. If you have it this far, what would be just this far more out? So I have them right. go in a very gradual stepwise way to create the possibility of something more futuristic and less tried and true. So one time I had a guy that owned an auto parts store and the particular franchise or brand got sold off. So he had no job anymore. He didn't have his franchise anymore because this was sold off. And so one of his friends told him, why don't you go into cable communications, sales for cable communications? I saw those jobs are available. Well, that was way out here. That was so far away from anything right. that he knew. And you're like, you're a sales guy. It's go, like, go for it. <laughs> yeah, no way. But you know, so when we worked together, I said, okay, if that's, if you can't do that, what's the next step out? Where are the possibilities there? And you take it out and you take it out and you take it out. So that's, that's how you so get incre them. In incrementally. Incrementally. That's how you get those individuals to think more incrementally, right? And so the, the individuals that think big picture have to think, okay, how, what are the steps to get me to the ground right now? Right. So let's talk about the experiencer again. Their their big chunk of the world. Wh wh who's a famous experiencer? A famous Richard Branson. Ah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So he's out in the hot air balloon. He's doing the he's, Grand he's, Prix drives, skiing. Yes. You know, jumping out of airplanes. All yes, sorts very of sensual. Very sensual. And they're very they're risk. They tend to be risk takers, and they tend to talk about the impressive experience. Okay, so if you think about the Virgin companies, you know Virgin Airlines, Virgin Trains, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, the records company even. <laughs> yeah, and so he's trying to improve the experience. Okay, so it, you've got a train that's going to go down the track. It's going to get you to your destination. He's talking about improving the central experience. Maybe the train runs more smoothly. Maybe they the decor of it is a little bit different. Maybe it offers something special, et cetera. So they're looking at making this a more impressive. They're, they're, they're not thinking to themselves, well, what if I, you know, suspend the train from, you know, right. the ground and, you know, I, they don't think that way. They think more like, how do I take this experience and make it better? Right. Well, yeah, you would see, you know, you think about his planes, what oh, they yeah. look like compared to the rest of the industry. He was really, he's not really tethered. That's where, where the guardians more tethered to this is the way we've always done it. It's tried and true. Um, right. Not, not against new ideas, but yeah. The experiencer is like, yeah, tried and true. Let's knock that all down and figure out what's brand new. What's the best? Right. What, right. what do we and, really need? Right. Well, they're, and they're, again, it's just this idea that they're trying to you know, ex improve the experience. So, and they're trying to make something, they tend to be in the moment problem solvers. They put the fires out and all of that. And so there are many people would go like, oh my God, you know, this is, you know, they're like, yeah, we got this. We got this right. because they thrive on that kind of energy. So, you know, coming in with something that's a little, 
if it's too big picture and it's just out there, they're not going to grab onto it because there's not enough, not enough detail with, for them to play with. They want to play with the details. And if you bring them over to the Guardians, they're not going to want to, right. you know, just pin it down to what's happened in the past. Right. They're going to want to try to mess around with those details in a new way. Right. And, you know, so we've talked, this, we've talked about these different temperaments and the goal here is to improve our sales. So exactly. what we what we want to be able to do is when we're talking to somebody, when we're engaging with somebody, we want to as quickly as possible understand what kind of person they are. Exactly. So I might go through their LinkedIn profile and look for hints, right? Yes, you could do that. You absolutely <laughs> right. could do that. So if I see somebody who's got tons of education, like certificate programs, does that tell me anything? Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Um, if you think about we have to be careful because right. we don't want to. We don't want to stereotype. These are just right. markers that will potentially lead us in the right hints. direction. <laughs> We're looking for hints. Okay, so I've done a lot of work in the past with experiencers who have PhDs. However, they are in fields like agriculture. Okay, so it's a very central type of of a of a thing. So you want we want to be careful about you know, doing, making those kinds of stereotype considerations. But that being said, generally speaking, the experiencers have been more hands-on learning. And so if you see. talk to an experiencer and you say, what was the worst part of your PhD program? They'll say anything that had to do with theory. Right. So, so if I look on that LinkedIn and I see that uh, they just ran some road race or, or, um, or jumped out of a plane, they might be that experiencer, right? It could be. Yep. That could absolutely be, you know, an, an earmark. Yep. And so let's just say they've got investment club. Is that, I mean, I know everybody invests, but right. if they were, if that had that focus, can I make any assumptions about that? Well, you can, you know, one of the best ways to, if you're going to look at a LinkedIn profile is to look at the, the structure of it the structure and the kind of language they use. So if you look at an SJ profile, you are going to very What's an likely... SJ profile? Oh, that would be traditional. That They're also known as SJs. If Is you look guardian? at those kinds of... Is that Guardian? Yes, yes, yes. They, there's actually a number of names for these temperaments. SJ and Guardian and traditionalists are all the same yep. temperament. But you're going to see generally shorter sentences and it's going to be very factual. Concise, yeah. Yeah. If you look at your LinkedIn profile or my LinkedIn profile, uh, we have to work really hard, yeah. condense it, right? <laughs> keep it tight and keep it relevant. It always seems like I'm changing where I go, God, I got to sit down and do this. And, I'll, yeah. and I've, now at this point, I'll force myself to do 20 minutes of it. Just, just get something done, right? Because, right. yeah, so I can start to look at all yep. these different people. And one of the things I, I, I want to change gears, switch gears here for just a second. Sure. We almost called this podcast Creating engagement with clients and staff. And right. this, and and you said if you can learn these temperaments, I can be a better manager, I can better be a better leader, I can be a better spouse, I can be a better parent because yes. I start to say I'm talking to my child as if they're a guardian because I'm a guardian or as an idealist because I'm an yes, idealist. Exactly. And I'm talking as you just said your your husband's more the guardian type. No, no, he's uh, the he's conceptualizer. I'm sorry. Yeah, and yep. you're an idealist. Once you know that, you go, okay, I know where he's going. And I, even though I wouldn't have said it that way, I know where he's going. And I'm happy that, you know, I understand. And I can put a toe over there a little bit. I can say, if you go back to that basketball example, you're absolutely right. There's a lot 
to work on. And you certainly, as a former player yourself, know better than I. So I'm acknowledging the expertise and the mastery. It's sometimes helpful to acknowledge what went well first and to acknowledge it in a meaningful way and not just a glancing blow. And your daughter is also an An idealist. idealist. Mm -hmm. So she would hear it just like you or I, which would be like, are you kidding me? I scored 20 points. Exactly. And the first thing I get is... Well, and and it actually was very absolutely. It was it was a moment. Let's just put it this way: it was a, it was a moment. And you know, like we all have parenting moments where we're like, oh, this just went way off. <laughs> this became too right. important. But anyway, right. so if we can all get better at understanding these different temperaments, and and all these times you mentioned SJ, so that is from Myers Briggs. What you guys have done is taken the the per- type personality type right. and said it's too hard to look at sixteen different types. Right. We're going to boil this down to four, yep. four big groups. And as salespeople, if we can just master, using mastery here, if we can just master this a little bit. Yeah, sharpen our eye. We can start to, ad- start to adjust our language and our sales process to the people we're working with. And that Absolutely. will make you a better salesperson. And again, it can make you a better communicator. Yes. Spouse, partner. And, and it'll even cut down on the irritation factor. So, you know, it it's it has multiple benefits and it's um you really are talking about sharpening your eye and that's that's all it is. Just opening your a you open yourself to to the to the reality that there are, you know, generally four temperaments and b you can start to see the markers of these things and c you can make a few adjustments that can go a long way towards having a good conversation. Right. You know, it's football season and my beloved Wolverines, our beloved Wolverines have won three games. Now they're not the toughest competition, but they won three games. They looked impressive. And what's interesting is when you look online at the comments, people like me, I'm like, Hey, we're three and oh, and they've been impressive wins. You can only beat the people you play, right? It's not our fault that we haven't played, you know, the toughest part of our schedule yet. There's other people who have I noticed the comments where they're like, oh my God, Wolverines suck this year. You have no idea. You know, we just haven't been exposed yet where you're like, uh, and <laughs> my first thought is you, you're so negative. You lose or shut your pie hole, right? But right. they're coming from a perspective that's just different than mine. That's and there's exactly nothing right. wrong with it. Right. This is a whole different podcast, but COVID kind of exposed this, right? You can yes. look at the positive it, or you can look at the negative. You can look at the do it this way or do it that way. We all have opinions and you have to kind of get yourself out of your own narrow yes. view and say right. different, but but not necessarily wrong. They're just different. And you definitely, the first step, honestly, is to be open-minded to it. And number two is to say, okay, now that I'm open-minded to it, show me, show right. me how it's done. And uh, fortunately, you can sharpen your eye within just a few hours of study. Right. So before we get into, I know you have a program you want to talk about, but what are some questions? Let's just say I'm I'm in a sales call and I want to understand who these people are. What are some questions I might ask that would tell me who I'm working with? Well, okay. You know, one of the things that is good news here is you can just ask so a few questions directly. You don't have to become the great detective and just try to, you know, figure it out. You can say something like, when you get a sales proposal, 
what level of detail do you prefer? Right. So you can ask straight out, you know, about how much detail do you want? If you, you can ask the individuals, you know, are your problems immediate or are your problems more big picture? So right. right off the bat, you can ask some very specific questions and they will tip off where their thinking is. Right. So if they say, for instance, I really want to know who you've helped in the past and what those numbers look like. That's what you want to come in prepared with, not right. a theoretical sort of a conversation. You really want to come in right. with that. And I've made my feeling is always the same as I like this. I'm an idealist. I like the idea of collaborating. I like yep. to communicate. So I I always feel like let's all go into a conference room with the, the people who are involved with the whiteboard and let's collaborate on what we want this proposal to be. And yes. at different times I've had people say, no, 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 just give me the proposal. And my yes. feeling sometimes is, yeah, but you don't have ownership over this proposal. I want you to be part of it. That and, yeah. and I always want that. And so if you hear somebody, and again, we're, we're rarities, but if you hear somebody said, yeah, you know, I don't know exactly. Let's, let's work together on this, that you, you go, oh, I'm working with an idealist or. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. I mean, that's the, you, you can right off the bat, you know, uh, find out those kinds of questions. You know, do you yeah. like to have everybody on board or do you like to just kind of set something in place and, and move on. Now, ironically, too, when you're looking at the bigger problems, for instance, within an organization, you know, I just want to pivot to this for just one second. You're looking into the biggest problem, you know, the larger problems of, in an organization, there's actually four steps you can take to get the best solution. The first one is, you know, what do we know right now? You know, what's, what's, what's no, you know, what has happened in the past and what is, you know, what what's what's that all look like? And then we can talk about, well, are there some immediate things that we can do right now to solve the problem? Then we can go at, are there bigger, uh, longer term solutions that we need to consider? That would be like the conceptualizer. And then you can go pivot over to that idealist and say, how are we going to get buy-in? Because those are right. the experts at getting the buy-in. So right. you can all work together and hit all of those four points it's to get a complete yeah. solution. I say I say buy-in all the time on stuff. So I think that's another thing. If you hear somebody say, get buy-in, get buy-in, get buy-in, yep. it's probably yep. someone like me, an idealist. So I'm going to hit these these one more time and then, then I want to wrap this bad boy up. So okay. um, there's four four temperaments and our goal is to be able to identify these temperaments faster so we can align our communication style more to theirs exactly. so I'm giving them what they want so the yeah. first what we talked about is idealist it's 15 percent of the population that's me that's you and uh, they're collaborative they're optimistic communicative i would just say communicators <laughs> but yeah. um the buy-in people yeah, yeah they're the buy-in people and who is a famous idealist a famous idealist would be, I, I, I use the one J.K. Rowling, the, the author, but somebody like Ellen DeGeneres, you know, sort of like a, a, yeah, a, a, a lot of entertainers. Yeah. A lot of writers. entertainers are, are idealists. Writers, and they're, yeah. yeah, a lot of writers and Bill entertainers. Clinton, Bill Clinton's one of these, Bill right? Clinton was. Yes, he was. He was <laughs> a, an idealist and was always about, you know, everybody kind of get on board, let's collaborate. And he was well, kind come of, on, everybody. Well, Ronald Reagan, for that matter, too, was an idealist <laughs> if you want to hit the presidents. Right. So 
Then we talked about the Guardians. That would be Warren Buffett's a good example of that. And they're planful. They're time efficient. They're detail-oriented. They want to know the tried and true. They might be the the holders of the status quo. And they're 40% of the population. So there's a very good chance you're talking to one of them if you're talking to management. Mm -hmm. And then there's the conceptualizers. And you said that's the Bill Gates and that's the Elon Musks, right? Yep. Future thinkers. And they're 15% of the population. They might debate you a little bit. They're future-focused. They're logical. They like the idea of autonomy for themselves, and they really value mastery in themselves and probably in the people they're working with. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, very much so. And then the last is this experiencer, and they're 30% of the population. Who's a good – that's Richard Branson's a famous one. Richard Branson. Who's another one? A hockey player. Just take just about every hockey player. And if you imagine – yeah, because they got a – Right. You know, like this. And now, by the way, if we want to just quickly – pivot to, to sports, the linemen on a football team would be the guardians. The running back would be the experiencer. Okay. Okay. Can you picture that? Because yeah. you got the guys that got to hold the line, set, set things up so that things are going to work. And you've got the other guy that's got to sort of weave his way through. That's sort of the, that would be a great visual to just, you know, to, to uh, understand the difference. Okay. And so we have these experiences. They they like details, but they're flexible. They're problem solvers. They're playful. They don't want to get too bogged down with the big picture Yep, because they're looking for the tangible solution right now. Right. And these are the guys who said that if there's a problem that needs to be solved today, they, they just wade right in and get it done. They love the, the, the zig and the zag. Right. Mm-hmm. So to wrap this bad boy up, I want to talk to you about your, you have a new program that will help us yeah. Help us understand this. So talk to us a little bit about the program you have. Yeah. So I know that logistics people are very, very busy people. That's one thing I've learned since working in this industry. So I have a developed an online course to help people understand these differences. And so it's the first thing that the individual will do is they go and they take this thing called a type coach assessment. It takes 20 minutes. It's online. I love that. I've taken it. Yep. Yeah. People like it because they learn about themselves as they, as they go along and you've figure out what your temperament is. And then you will take the course, which is also online, and it will show you uh, videos of people answering the same five questions. So the questions never change. Answering the same five questions, and you start to see those differences. These people that volunteer to do these videos for me were not scripted. I didn't tell them what to say or make sure you highlight this or highlight that. I just asked them those same five questions. And as you watch this, you start to sharpen your eye and you can even start to say, oh gosh, that person reminds me of that person that I work with. That explains a lot. And so it's, it's simply a course that allows you to sharpen your eye by way of examples. The best way to learn something is to dive in and try to to do some actual examples. So right. that's essentially what the course is about. So so if I'm if I'm I'm watching a video online and they're they're answering those questions, that's to help me understand. So one of them's gonna be a I'm assuming one's gonna be a guardian and one's gonna be an experiencer. So I start yep. to see the differences like the way they answered the same question. Yep. Yep. So they're, 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 they've answered that same question. I looked question at some and, of this and it was pretty cool. <laughs> it is, well, I have gotten some feedback on the course and one of the, one individual said it was so spot on. It was made my spine tingle. So that's why I got some feedback on it yesterday. And then another individual gave me some recent feedback that said, I liked going back and looking at the videos again 
to see, you know, things that I may have missed the first time around so that I could sharpen my eye. My hope is, is to continue to get more videos to offer students so they can see this. Your eye just gets sharper and sharper each time you see it. I know just from working with you over the years, you can tell very quickly who, what a personality type is. And then when you understand that, you say, I know what they need now. I know yes. how I need to bend myself to it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and again, you and I, when we work together, we can be, I was actually late getting here today. And I knew that would be fine with you. Yep. <laughs> it was my turn to be late. You would be late next time. And right. But if I was dealing with most of the time, I, I would not be late because I don't know how they are. Right? Yes, that's exactly right. That you'd understand that there are, 40% of that, that at least 40%. Right. They treat it like a disrespect and I would too sometimes. That's exactly right. Yes. Yes. And it's interesting when somebody cancels a meeting on me, I don't want anyone to think they should. I, <laughs> and they always are like, I'm so sorry. Cancel at the last minute. And I was thinking, it's fine by me. I have a million other things to do. I never exactly, <laughs> exactly. But man, if you a lot of other don't people assume that like of it. the person you've just canceled the meeting on, if you cancel, right. you know, you're, if I cancel the meeting with somebody who's a guardian, I may not get that that I same. Might be done. They may have learned to, you know, to under to do, you know, to widen their understanding. So I don't want to assume that they're gonna. They're uh, not necessarily be stuck. upset. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, because they're so planful, I wouldn't want to test it if I don't know right. them. So this online course you have, mm-hmm. how do we, how do we do that? How much does it cost, and how do I get okay. on there? Yep, yep. So the the cost uh, for the course is three hundred forty nine dollars, and that will get you the the online personality assessment type coach, and then it'll get you the which course. is worth that's worth a lot of money all by itself. By the way, that's yes, exactly. E- separately, you know, even the just the type coach report is awesome. It's great to read about your own personality, your strengths, your weaknesses, you know, yep. your tendencies, and then how you relate to everybody. So it's, it's that's yes. like a what a ten page report. Ten or twelve, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that that value alone is is it's very the, nice. the cost I love of the that. course, and then the course itself with all these videos where you get to sharpen your eye. And by the way, there's quizzes so that you're not just sharpening your eye by just having a guess. You get to actually respond to those questions and see if you're right. And if you're not right, there's cues to go back and watch for this. And they can keep taking that over and over again just to keep... Over and over again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So and keep going back and going back. So, you know, if it if they think, oh, that looks like that's a, you know, a guardian temperament. And I say, no, no, pay attention there. You know, they're, you know, pay attention to this. They can go back and watch it again. So you can... Again, this this all by itself makes you a much better salesperson. I mean... All by itself. All by itself. Yep. It's it's really a, a, a tremendous value. And what I like about it is not manipulative in any way. All you're doing is saying, you know, everyone knows as a salesperson, you're supposed to listen. Yep. This is listening with a framework for understanding yes. better. Yes, exactly. So it's one thing to listen and say, I wrote down all these notes. It's another thing to say, this guy's a guardian. And now yes. I'm writing down notes with that in mind and saying, he's going to want details. I'm going to ask questions so I can make sure that when I bring back the right Yes. right report for this guy, the right proposal for this guy. Yep. It's listening with a framework that helps with understanding. Absolutely. So, but wait, there's more. I have a discount for the LOL All listeners. Right. Yay. So it's LOL VIP. So, so what I'll do, Anne, is 
<laughs> LOL VIP. Put, so yep. So I'll put that in the show notes. So if you can give me a link to that, we'll I put that in that. the show notes. And I'll, I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. Again, Anne is a fantastic executive coach, life coach, whatever you want to call her. Resource, as you can tell if you listen to my podcast, she's fantastic at this stuff. And again, I think if you can't understand the people you're working with, you can't sell to them. Right? No, no, you can't. It makes the no, job so much difficult. harder. It's very difficult. And you can't assume everybody thinks like you. That's right. And it's funny, even I always jokingly say this, but they should. They don't. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They should think like me. What's obvious to you is obvious to you. Right. So, and what I'll do is I'll put a link to your new course and a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to your website. Yep. And I do appreciate you coming on my podcast again. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. And thank all of you for being on my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.